On this episode of Out of Bounds with Dylan James, we're going to be discussing Wild Card Weekend and previewing the divisional round with the Titans going into Baltimore. Huge game for the Tennessee Titans. We can see if we can pull out a win against the number one team in the AFC. We'll also discuss all the college football bowl action and preview the college football playoff championship game between LSU and Clemson. The Nashville Predators fired their head coach. What do they do now? We got a new head coach in Nashville, and we'll see how he turns out with the team. We'll also discuss the Orlando Magic, and as they are hanging on to the playoff spots in the Eastern Conference, and we'll also discuss the passing of former NBA Commissioner David Stern. Segments include Football Recap of the Week, The Great Debate, Winners, Losers, Final Thoughts, and a slice of Uncle Bobby. Don't call it a comeback. It's Out of Bounds with Dylan James. We're back. We're back. It's 2020, and OOB podcast is seeing clear. Like that? You like that? You like that? <laughs> you like that? Kirk Cousins liked that this sure weekend. Sure did. So did the Minnesota Vikings in the locker room after their big win against the New Orleans Saints. Huge win in OT. Controversial. Which last year well, was it's the too. playoffs. There's always controversy, especially with the Saints. Yeah, especially with the Saints. This is like, what the second or third year in a row this has happened. The the controversial call. No, last year call, was the no interference, no pass interference call. Which uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we'll talk about it. Oh man, we have a lot of news to talk about. Yeah, guys, but we're back. This is no gimmick. We are actually here. We're here in Dylan's apartment. Uh, so welcome back. First, of course, I want to say everyone. Hope everyone had a safe, happy holidays and. Uh, of course, Happy New Year. It's 2020. I know for the Out of Bounds, you're probably wondering, where we've we been? A lot's been going on between me and Dylan. We'll talk about that later. But So we may not have ended 2019 strong, but we are going to start 2020 with a bang on fire and getting ready to bring in more exciting content for this podcast, and we'll make it work. So we're very excited. But Dylan, uh, I know you were gone in, in Mississippi and yep. all that. I was in Texas last month. So how was your vacation, man? We had a six-month vacation, baby. A six-month vacation. That's probably the best vacation you can get. Um, besides the Cowboys, they have a vacation for about six months because they always miss the playoffs. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, it was great. I had a great time um, in Mississippi. Got to see my dad in Georgia, too. So we had a great a great holiday. Um, I think that it, it, I missed you guys. I missed the listeners. I missed talking about sports a lot because... I mean, JT and I, in passing, would talk about sports on occasion, but, I mean, we haven't had time to sit down together and actually talk sports yeah, in a podcast setting, especially, since the last show we had was July 4th. Um, but, you know, we are back. We're here to talk more sports, and the reasons why we were gone, big reason was, one, I had a temporary assignment as a leader over in Magic Kingdom for a little while, for about two months which was fantastic, great learning experience, and hopefully that will lead to a leadership role in the company fairly shortly, um, just depending on openings, things of that nature. But I did that, and I also have been going to school too. I finished my first semester for getting my master's in hospitality and tourism management at the University United States States of America, University of Central Florida, (laughs) and the Rosen College specifically. So I've been doing that and just working. Working, working, working. That's been about all I've been doing the past six months. So, JT, what have you been up to in the past six months? How were your holidays? Oh, the holidays was good. Uh, I was in Texas, so close to Mississippi, but 
not quite. But, uh, uh, closer. But, uh, I was in Texas. Uh, I had to. I was seeing my brother. He lives in Austin, Texas. So, got to catch up with him. I got to see Dylan and Tori. Uh, DT. So it was good to catch up with him. Uh, they just had their baby. Yeah, so, they did. Congratulations. So congrats to them on that. And uh, I went to a wedding. I was at my my friend Sunny Lee Pena. It was her wedding. So had a great time there. So wish them congratulations on the wedding and everything. And hope all goes well. Uh, as far as what I've been doing the last six months, uh, well, like you, Dylan, I've been busy working a lot. Between I'm still at DBC. I'm still at Under Armour part time. And with school, like you, busy at school. I was in school too. Uh, full Sail University, doing my sports casting program, took a lot of interesting classes like sports photography, broadcast writing, so really cool stuff. And then speaking of Disney Inspire, I was doing uh, my program at University of Denver. So now I'm literally started last April with that. I'm halfway through my master's on that. So got another year or so to go, but still kicking it. So going strong. So yeah, busy six months, but we're back and ready to talk sports. All right, Dylan. So Let's get into it. <laughs> a lot of big you know, news today. Big news today of all days. Gee, we're coming back at a great time, Dylan. Yeah, we are. Jeez. So the NFL was the big news for today and pretty much this whole weekend. We had NFL playoffs, coaching carousel, all that. So, Dylan, let's start with playoffs and let's talk about those Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans. The biggest shocker of all, guys. It was massive. The Titans went into Foxborough where Ryan Tannehill was 0-7 against Tom Brady in Foxborough, and he went in and, and he didn't win the game. The one person who won the game was Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had a huge game, had 34 carries, 184 yards, I think it was. Um, huge game by Derrick Henry, huge game for the offensive line as well. I think it was a good momentum boost for them, a good confidence boost going into this game. In the divisional round, we'll talk about that in a little while. Um, But huge game. Tom Brady was shut down completely in the second half. They scored zero points in the second half. He ended his career possibly with the New England Patriots with a pick six from Logan Ryan, which... Who used to be with the Patriots. ...is a poetic justice for Logan (laughs) Ryan, which is absolutely incredible. It was just a nail-biter. That game was dirty. It was gritty. It was raw. It was hard-hitting. It was... Just a huge game for the Titans. It showed how mentally tough and physically tough the Tennessee Titans are, and it showed a really good deal of how Dean Pease and also Arthur Smith are as coordinators. Yeah, Dylan, I think the Titans made a very impressive uh, victory against the New England Patriots. No one saw us coming. I thought it was going to be a close game at least, but I'll be real with you. I was not expecting them to pull a shocker against the New England Patriots former Super Bowl champions now. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but uh, what was crazy about that game was the Titans just didn't show respect to New England. We just took it to them. Bill Belichick literally got outcoached by one of his former players, Mike Vabel, who used to play for the Patriots. He was never an assistant under Bill Belichick, but he, used to, he was a former player. Yeah. And the Titans, we just kept toe-to-toe, kept a close game in the first half. The Patriots, they only got 13 points in that game. And then the second half, we shut out New England. They just couldn't run the ball. Their players were hurt. Sonny Michelle barely got things going for that offense. And then, of course, Tom Brady, I know he's 42, but his receivers, he has no receivers. They kept dropping the ball. Uh, Julian Edelman dropped the ball, who was like third and six towards the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, they had to have that one. And the Patriots are just, I think they were just shell-shocked, Dylan. They were not expecting to get... 
outplayed by the Titans. And you got to give credit to the Titans. They, they showed up and, and won the game more. And we saw this, Dylan, a couple years ago. Marcus Mariota. I know he's long, but he's still there on the bench. But hey, he, he was in two. I two think years two ago. Play, no, he was in two plays this game too, and the game before that as well in Houston. But still, he played on the field at least two snaps. Yeah, but he he did. But what I was gonna say was, you know, two years ago, same thing. We we barely got in the playoffs. We were playing the Chiefs on the road, tough place to play at Arrowhead. No one thought we were gonna get a win there, and we managed to pull a win there. So Titans, you know, just having that fighting grind mentality was. To me, most impressive. And like you said, Logan Ryan getting that interception in the game. Like you said, Podak Justice doing that dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Fans. And, you know, that's great. But, of course, as much as you got to give the, the Titans, you know, upsetting that victory with the Patriots, everyone's talking about the Patriots right now. What's going to happen with Tom Brady? What's going to happen with uh, Bill Belichick? Who are they, are they going to bring any receivers? Or, or what's going to happen? And the Patriots don't I mean Tom Brady 20 years in this league. I mean, who would have thought uh, a kid coming out of Michigan, uh, six-round pick, and he's won, been in nine Super Bowls and won six Super Bowls. I mean, amazing career, I mean, for Tom Brady, uh, if this is it for him. I know he said after the game that it's pretty unlikely that he's going to retire, and he still wants to play. I think what was interesting, Dylan, was even Bill Belichick, and here we are, what, 48 hours, 72 hours? After that game, still no answer. He's still like, I don't know. I can't answer. We're not going to talk about the future. I'm focusing on right now. You know, I'm just focusing on the day. He, he's not focusing on Tom Brady. You would think if he wants to keep him, he would say, heck yeah, we're bringing Tom Brady back. Even Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft is praying. Yeah. There, there's only out. one person in that organization who has said that we want Tom Brady back, and it's Robert Kraft. He's the only one person on that team that has had a press conference or a a quote in the in, in the news somewhere saying that I want Tom Brady to be a Patriot next season, which we'll talk about that in a little while in our neck in our new segment that we have later on in the show. Um, but you know, it's something to really watch in the off season. I think it's going to be very interesting with Tom Brady. Um, will he return to the Patriots? That's something we'll talk about later in the show. But it's it's definitely a question that's lingering in the league, and I think that there are a lot of teams that are interested and the six-time Super Bowl winner um, if he decides to go elsewhere. But we'll talk about that in just a little while. Um, let's move on to let's some of the, the other games. Yeah, let's happened. talk about the other games in the, in the wild so card game. The other game on Saturday was the Buffalo Bills, sorry, Dave, against the Houston Texans. And I watched some of this game while I was, uh, when there was the downtime at Riviera a bit. And I was like, wow. The Bills are up 16 nothing. It looks like they're going to hang on and win this game. But what changed the game, Dylan, was third quarter. Bills going down the field. You think they're going to score. J.J. Watt gets that sack. I think it was like third and six, third and eight, somewhere around there, to get that sack. And J.J. Watt's like, let's go, let's go. And I think that changed the game. Deshaun Watts gets the ball, goes down the field, gets them a touchdown, gets a two-point conversion. Now they're down by uh, uh, eight points. And then they get back into it, tie the game. They had the lead, and then Buffalo had to go kick a field goal towards the end of the game to tie it. And then, of course, the Texans go down the field and and late it, and after the very defensive battle in OT to win it late. So the Texans, you know, got to give them credit for battling home. And everyone was going in that game talking about McDermott and Bill O'Brien. But there's no doubt in my mind, Dylan, Bill O'Brien was under a lot of pressure. He only had one playoff win before that game. Yeah. So he had to win that and game. And you cannot lose... In the playoffs, at home, 
like that if you're Bill O'Brien. You can't. Especially when they were down 16 nothing, and, and the Buffalo Bills, I, I don't know how that defense imploded. They looked gassed. They looked tired. Uh, Josh Allen, the quarterback, he, he looked dazed and confused out there. He's like, oh, my God. Are we, is this a, are we in the playoffs? Are we in the playoffs? What was going on? Yeah. And he's doing things like I never expect he would do it. He, he didn't do it in the regular season. Like that one play, he went down the field, and he literally is like hand-tossing the ball, and there's nobody there. I'm like, who are you throwing the ball to? Yeah, he, he's uh, – for some reason – their mind just got shut off in that game. In the second half, especially. They, they just did not know how to play football anymore. So I know that there were a lot of Bills fans out there that were very upset about that game, which I would be too if I were you, because that was one of their best chances of at least advancing to the next round. And because, I mean, the Houston Texans going into that game, people were saying, well, they're not the strongest team to make it into the playoffs. Um, they kind of limped into the playoffs. I mean, they won the division, yes, but they rested a lot of their players. They lost the last game of the season thanks to the Titans. And people had didn't really have very high hopes for the Houston Texans in the playoffs. No, J.J. Watt came back. Um, he injected a lot of energy into that defense. And that's the biggest thing. Houston Texans do have a good defense. When J.J. Watt's performing, they do have a solid defense. And I think that it really showed in the second half of that game um, to pretty much shut down the Buffalo Bills and only let them score three points. That's that's huge. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next round for the Houston Texans because they're going to be playing up against heavy competition with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to get their hands full with that team. Um, we'll see if Deshaun Watson can actually get to um, Hopkins and get to Fuller and have those players at his disposal because he'll definitely need big games from his wide receivers if he's going to keep toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So let's move on to the next game that was on the on the docket. It was the Seahawks and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Massive game, too. Um, Eagles were playing at home against the Seattle Seahawks um, after the Seahawks lost their last game of the season. And the Eagles were playing pretty well in the first quarter, and then all of a sudden, Carson Wentz goes down with an injury, a head injury, um, a massive concussion, I believe it was, and he was out for the game. And in comes in Josh McCown. Josh McCown, 40 years old, and he just, I mean, remember, initially Josh McCown retired, and he came out of retirement to be a backup for the Eagles because Nick Foles had left. So, Josh McCown... I mean, you feel bad. He tried his best. I see him out there hustling, trying to get the Eagles back. But the Seattle defense just pretty much made the Eagles one-dimensional. They just couldn't get anything going in that game. And don't get me wrong, going in this game, the Seahawks, I believe, were a favorite by a, a point or a couple points to win this game. But there's no doubt in my mind, when Carson Wentz went out of that game with that hit from Jadavion Clowney, it changed the game for the Eagles. And no matter who they – Sanders was injured. They had – Another player injured as well. Remember, they had no Deshaun Jackson. He was been out for a while. The Eagles has been struggling with injuries, and it looked like after Carson Wentz got hurt, that was like the final balloon. Boom. And then they just couldn't get nothing going. And the Seahawks, I mean, they just kept going. DJ Metcalf, Marshawn Lynch coming back to help that team. So the Seahawks, you know, it was a stellar performance on their end. Uh, get credit for Russell Wilson for asking Coach Doug Pearson, hey, how's Carson doing everything, all that. And what was crazy with the whole Carson Wentz situation, Dylan, was on social media, like, you were getting two sides of the story. Some people were saying, oh, Carson Wentz, oh, we let Nick Foles go, and now he's he gets us in the playoffs, and now he can't stay healthy, blah, 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 blah. Or it's like, oh, Jadavion Clowney, it was a dirty hit, dirty play. 
should not be guy checked the game and I'm like, well look guys, this ain't college football. They, there's no targeting in the NFL. So you know, you can say what you want. I mean, even if they flag is it gonna make much of a difference? No, the Eagles are still losing. Yeah, and they're still losing. The rest and, of the game. Yeah, even if they had flagged that play and ejected Jadavion Clowney for that hit, I mean, I, I still don't think it would have made a difference because I mean, Josh McCown just could not get anything together. I mean, it showed that he was forty years old on the field. I mean, it, it was very tough for him to get things going, um, especially at the end of the game when he had a chance to potentially tie the game. They were down by eight points which that was actually a pretty narrow lead for the Seahawks, which we'll talk about that in a minute as well. Um, but, you know, Josh McCown had a hole to his left-hand side and the left-hand side of the line. There was this hole that was developing. A 32, 33, 34-year-old quarterback could have ran through that, role, uh, that, that hole and probably gotten a first down, if not a touchdown. But a 40-year-old Josh McCown saw the hole too late, started busting through, and got sacked right away. It, it's... It's one of those things that it was just the perfect storm, the worst way possible for the Philadelphia Eagles. They just could not get anything going. Their wide receivers were not helping out. Uh, Miles Sanders, uh, he had a blatant drop in open field to get a first down. He had a blatant drop at the very end of of the game. Uh, It just did not do well for the Eagles, did not do well for Josh McCown. Josh McCown, he gave everything he had. I'm I'm not saying he played a bad game because he actually played a pretty good game. They just could not get points on the board. And that's the most important thing you can do, even if it's a field goal. Just get some points on the board. Get some offensive production. And no one was helping out Josh McCown in that game. And the Seahawks made the plays when they had to make the plays. DK Metcalf actually started going off towards the end of that game, too. And going into next week, when the Seahawks play in their divisional round, I think they'll need DK Metcalf to play a very, very large part in this offense. And hopefully, Seahawks fans are hoping that that's going to be a spark for next week. Um, But that Seattle Seahawks offense was not producing very much either. And you see Beast Mode played in that game. He got a touchdown. Great for him. But he only rushed for like 40 yards. So... I think you need some more offensive production from your playmakers on the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Um, and if that doesn't happen, then I don't know if they can advance to the next round. I remember Seattle, their top running backs, Carson, and uh, their backup, they both were injured. They were out for the season. So Marsh, that's why Marshall Lynch came back to help him out. So we'll see if Seattle can get it going in the next round. So speaking of next round, one more wild card game. This one in New Orleans at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome where we had the New Orleans Saints hosting the Minnesota Vikings. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, Dylan, I picked Baltimore and New Orleans to go to the Super Bowl, but half my pick went out with the Saints' performance. And it was very surprising because I watched this game, Dylan. It was back and forth. Uh, the Vikings had a lead. The Saints were coming back. Then the Vikings had, were up by 10. And then Drew Brees was getting the back of the game. There was a fumble that was called back. Because the player, uh, Don Cook, his, his knee was down. That's why the Saints didn't get a touchdown. And then, of course, uh, it goes to overtime. And the Saints, they, they didn't get the ball. <laughs> Kirk Cousins was like, we got to keep the ball as long as possible and keep that man over there, Drew Brees, off <laughs> yeah. the field. Yeah, you have to. That's all we're going to win this game. You have so to. So they give him credit. They went down the field, uh, gives that ball to Rudolph to – get the end zone for the touchdown. I know there was some controversy after the game where people were saying Rudolph pushed off the defender and 
to me, the NFL even said it was not a big enough push for the refs to call pass interference. Well, and also you saw them hand fighting the entire oh, yeah. way into the end zone too. I, I don't think I think there was there was contact on both sides of the ball. It, w- it wasn't just the offense. It wasn't just the defense. Both of them were fighting each other going into the end zone. The referees were letting them play. And but the thing is though, just throw that play aside. New Orleans did not play well enough to win that game. No, they didn't. I mean, really, they were down most of the game. They were down most of the game. They couldn't capitalize on offensive on offensive offensive plays, the offensive drives. I mean, they couldn't capitalize on mistakes on the defense. Like it, it just it did not bode well for New Orleans or Drew Brees. Um, and his window is closing rapidly too. I mean, like he's getting towards the end of his career as he's well. He's about to be forty. And if anything, we've learned about this wild card round, Dylan, this past weekend. It was not kind of forty-year-old quarterbacks. It wasn't McCown. Brady and now Brees. Yeah, it wasn't. I I think that New Orleans they need to do something. It's it's one of those things that their playmakers had to make plays and they didn't. It's kind of like with the Titans. When the Titans played the New Orleans Saints, we actually almost won that game, and it was yeah. because New Orleans was struggling on offense. Now, was it a part of the Tennessee Titans defense? Yes, it was. Defense for Titans were great, but also you look at the the Vikings defense. Their defense is very good too. Their defense is one of the top units in the league. So. You know, at the end of the day, the Saints just didn't get it done. And, you know, it shouldn't have gone to overtime the way it did. I think the Vikings should have just won it in regular time. I mean, kudos to the Saints to make it into overtime, I guess. But they just couldn't get it done at the end of the day. Well, you got to get credit to the Minnesota Vikings. They hung in there. I mean, they knew the Saints was a tough team, New Orleans, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Everybody's in that same as loud, tough place to play. But they basically tuned out the noise and, and got it done. I kind of didn't understand why the Vikings, I mean, they played in a dome last I checked, so I didn't think it would be that big of a difference. But, hey, you know, they got to get the Vikings credit. They'll get it done. So, Kirk Cousins finally went to playoff game. So, you got to give him some depth for that as well. So, Dylan, now we're on to the divisional round this week. So, we got our Titans. We're going to play the Ravens, as you mentioned. The Chiefs will play the Texans. And then in the NFC, the 49ers will host the Minnesota Vikings. And then you got the Green Bay Packers hosting the Seattle Seahawks. So let's start with our Titans, because we love the Titans. Of course. How you like our chances against Baltimore? I think, Dylan, the key is going to come down. I mean, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but I think the key is going to come down to Derrick Henry. And the Ravens' defense have been off for like two weeks. So I would keep running that ball through the Ravens' defense and seeing how they test that defense and how it's going to hold the whole game. Tannehill, just keep it simple. You know, short passes, tack them on the deep on the coverage. And like I said, kind of similar to what we did the Patriots, just keep the Titans in it. The defense was solid. If they perform like they did in this game against the Ravens, like they did against the New England Patriots, the the Titans didn't have a shot for the upset. The only thing, like you said, is how do we contain LJ, Lamar Jackson? How do we contain him? It's going to be tough. I, I think that our defense can do it. I think that we have some schemes. We have Dean Pease, first of all. Dean Pease was with the Ravens for quite some time. He was their defensive coordinator. He's seen this type of play um, in their in their practices for years. So he kind of knows what they're going to do, what John Harbaugh likes to do in certain situations, which is a good thing for us. I, I think that it's really good. And I think that Dean Pease will have a really good, really good scheme for going into this game. One thing you didn't allude to before is with the Titans, yes, we were in the ball a lot against the New England Patriots, but guess what that did? That made it to where the only tape the Ravens had on the Titans for the wild card weekend was us running the ball with Derrick Henry. 
We didn't show any wrinkles in our offense whatsoever. So they have a lot less to prepare with than we do because they didn't see anything during the wild card weekend, which is very, very smart by the offensive coordinator um, and Arthur Smith. I think that that's a really good key for us is, is making it to where we're unpredictable. And I think we have playmakers to make it unpredictable. You have Anthony Ferkser. He caught two passes last week, caught a touchdown last week. Um, we have Marsha, not Marshawn. Um, we have Derek Henry. We have AJ Brown. We have Corey Davis. We have um, Khalif Raymond's coming back this game, I believe, too, for, out of con- concussion protocol. Um, we might have Adam Humphreys. I don't think we will. I think he's still tweaking his hamstring. He hasn't practiced this week yet. Um, but we have these players that can step up and make big, huge plays. Jonu Smith. We didn't hardly see him in in the wild card weekend either. So. I think we have players to cause wrinkles in the offense to throw off the Ravens' defense. That's one. Two, I think that the Ravens are coming into this game, and their star players have not seen a good defense in quite some time. Now, look at this. The last three games they played, they played against the Browns, the Steelers, and the Jets. Jets in Week 15, Browns in Week 16, and Steelers in Week 17. Week 17, they set most of their starters. So Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, all those guys sat. But before that, they played the Browns, which they put up 16 points on, uh, uh, more than the Browns. They won by 16 points. They won against the Jets by 21 points. Those two teams right there aren't very good defenses. Their defenses aren't good. They're not very good defenses. And Tennessee has a pretty solid defense, especially a running uh, against the rush. We have a very, very solid defense. We're like in the top five, top 10 in rush defense. So I think that it's going to throw off the offense of the Ravens to see a defense this skilled like we have. And I think our, our interior linemen are going to have to do a lot to keep their gaps, to rush the passer. I think pressuring Lamar is going to be the thing we need to do this entire game. I think we need to throw him off, throw him off his game. As long as we can do that, I think we can we can keep it uh, pretty pretty even throughout the first half. Second half, we have the largest point differential in the league since week seven, since Ryan Tannehill took over. So as long as we can keep them about even, as long as we can keep it within a, a touchdown or a field goal, Going into the half, I think we have a really good shot of winning this game in the second half as long as our defense doesn't make mistakes and as long as our offense can create some big plays. And I think that A.J. Brown can take the top off anytime he wants to. I think Corey Davis can as well. Um, And I think that having Khalif Raymond in the middle of the field as a slot receiver and Jonu Smith too, I think those two guys right there um, can do some really good things on the inside. I have a really, really... Strong feeling the Titans are going to come out with a win in this game, and they're going to upset Baltimore. Um, I think that also it's it's a re- it's a revenge game for the Titans as well. When we played against the Ravens, when we were number one and they were number six, they were a wild card going up against us, and they beat us at home. Um, I think it's going to be a revenge game for us, but we'll see what happens. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch, um, and I'm going to be on the edge of my seat the entire game. Definitely. Well, I know you for the other game you picked in the AFC, you picked the the Chiefs to upset the Texans. Well, not of upset. They're number two seed, but the, beat the Texans. They're going to beat the Texans. And I agree. I think the Chiefs will win at home and beat the Texans. Now in the NFC, we got the Forty ers and the Vikings. Dylan, I really think the Forty ers will find a way to win at home against the Vikings, but I know the Vikings will not make it easy. But what are your thoughts in this game? I, I like the Vikings a lot. 
The 49ers have a really good defense, and Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing very, very well. He's showing why Bill Belichick was kicking himself for letting him go. It wasn't Bill Belichick's decision to let him go. I think it was more Robert Kraft. But anyway, either way, the Patriots let go of Jimmy Garoppolo. He went to San Francisco, got injured the first year, second year. He's taking them, and they won the NFC. Um, I think that they're going to give the Vikings a run for their money. But again, I think that this bye week that they have at the wild card weekend, I think that Minnesota is going in with a lot of momentum. I no, think they definitely are. I, I think that having Dalvin Cook coming back into the into the fold as well, um, he played pretty well against the Saints. I think that um, Dalvin Cook being there, um, I, I think that Kirk Cousins with that confidence going into Levi Stadium. I really see the Vikings playing a really, really tight game in this one, um, and if if they can keep it tight, I think they can pull this pull this one off. All right, and in the final preview in the division, we got the Seattle Seahawks going on the road again. This time to Green Bay on the on, road again. <laughs> this time taking on the Green Bay Packers. Dylan, I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You, I mean, who knows how the weather's going to be in Green Bay, but I think the Packers. You, we mentioned this, that the Seahawks just didn't get a lot of points against the Eagles, and I don't feel confident that the Seahawks are going to be able to score a bunch of points to keep up with the Packers and that offense. And I think the Packers will get a win at home against the Seahawks. Who you got? I agree. I, I think the Packers will win it. I think Aaron Rodgers is tasting the Super Bowl right now. I think I think he knows it's at his grasp. I think he knows he's very close. And this is the best team he's had around him since he got to Green Bay. I, I, I think it's even better than the Super Bowl team he had. Um, it's just offensively complete, defensively complete. Um, just the thing is, those wide receivers need to step up. The wide receivers need to step up and make, make big plays for Aaron. Um, continue to, you know, when there's a scramble mode, I think they need to, you know, step it up and, and find an open spot so Aaron can throw the ball to him. Um, I, I think that the Packers are really going to pack a punch in this game. And Aaron Rodgers can taste it. I really think that the Packers are going to win this game too. I don't see them losing this game. All right, Dylan. Well, let's talk about the other big NFL news that's been going on this week. The coaching carousel just officially got kicked off last week. So we had five teams that made coaching changes. So we had uh, obviously two coaches were fired midseason, the Carolina Panthers and the Washington Redskins uh, fired their coaches midseason. And then we had... The New York Giants uh, letting Pat Shermer go, and then they had uh, the Cleveland Browns. That was another coach. Freddie Kitchens got let Freddie go Kitchens, yeah. after that overhyped season. That one was season a failure. One season, six and ten, hmm. man. And then, of course, shockingly, maybe not shockingly, but <laughs> how long it took the Dallas Cowboys it took them a whole week to finally decide Jason Garrett's time to go. It took them ten years and they had to decide three to let meetings. Him go. Appetizer, entree, and dessert. <laughs> Finally, but let him go. It all ended with a sleepover with Mike McCarthy at Jerry Jones's house. Oh boy, look at that! <laughs> Play the sexy music. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, you know, Mike McCarthy came in there, interview with Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones really liked the interview. He really liked what he was hearing. And obviously, after that slumber party, uh, Mike McCarthy became the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, which that was a huge hire in the first place. That um, definitely made some teams say, crap, we need to start hiring now because we're going to miss out on some guys if we don't. Um, and so we saw a lot of the dominoes fall today, actually. 
Yeah, Mike McCarthy was the, like you mentioned, the first domino of the fall. What was surprising was the Cowboys announced on Sunday, Jason Garrett, you're gone. Bye. And then the next day, oh, we got a new coach, Mike McCarthy. And I think, I know a lot of people say it's not a sexy pick. It's not. But the way I see it, it's the, it's the, it's a safe choice and, the, to me, the right choice to go. I think so, too. I mean, look, I know the only candidate I talked to was Marvin Lewis, but you're Jerry Jones. You can pretty much get anybody you want, but Jerry Jones made it clear he wants an NFL coach with experience. That ruled out call that ruled out college coaches. So Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley, they weren't coming. No. So Matt Rule, they weren't coming. So with the coaches that were available, okay, Mike McCarthy, yeah, it didn't end well with Aaron Rodgers. But you know what? Aaron Rodgers had consistently been the top quarterback in the league. Dak Prescott was struggling this year. He just didn't get it done. No. And Ezekiel Elliott, the running back, they, they weren't running the ball. Mike McCarthy is known to get running backs to run the ball. Receivers. And get got, fat. But other Mark, than that. <laughs> and of course, he won a Super Bowl with the Packers back in 2010 in yep. Dallas. Yep. So he's won a Super Bowl where the other candidates they looked at didn't win anything. So to me, it was a, a, a no-brainer. And they knew, because the other rumor I heard was, that Jerry Jones was not going to let Jason Garrett go unless he had somebody. So if he didn't like the other candidates, he was probably going to keep Jason Garrett. But because he really liked Mike McCarthy, like you mentioned, he said, you know what? It's time to make the change. Let's do this. And also a source told me that Mike McCarthy finally um, admitted to Des Bryant catching that pass in that, in that <laughs> playoff game. So. so, yes, the Cowboys made their move. And also, I think, because there were rumors the New York Giants – and the Cleveland Browns were highly <laughs> considering Mike McCarthy, but he's off the board. Then the next domino, which wasn't surprising, the Washington Redskins, another team in the NFC East, made a decision uh, to hire former Redskins coach, or, or former Redskins, former Carolina Panthers coach, excuse me, Ron Rivera to be the coach. I think that's also a good move because we had the morale so bad with the Washington Redskins players getting attitude, getting fight with coaches. It just wasn't working out for the Washington and Dan Snyder, who's taking a lot of heat. He doesn't like to take the heat. So that's why he hired someone else, Ron Rivera, to take the heat. But Ron Rivera, he's been successful in Carolina. I know this last few years hadn't been good for him, but a lot of players respect him. Cam Newton, they all love him, and I think he's going to get that respect in that locker room for the Washington Redskins. So that's a good hire. Now, let's start about the surprises which happened today. Huge surprise. So let's start with... I think one domino fell in this situation, and the other one had to fall because of that first domino falling. Exactly. It, it, it just seemed like it was a chain of events that happened within like a 30 to 45 minute time frame. Oh yeah, our phones were blown up at work today like crazy yeah. with all these rumors going on. So let's start with, to me, I guess maybe the big surprise, but maybe not to surprise a lot of people, the Carolina Panthers who were interviewing all these coaches, and then David Tepper, who we know he's a billionaire. He just got his, uh, he just bought a spot in MLS for Charlotte to get an MLS expansion team to play next year. And he's going to renovate the Bank of America Stadium. But with Matt Rule, they announced that he was going to be their coach. And it just kind of came out of left field. Okay, Matt Rule, yeah, we, he's been a, a, a Lions backer coach with the New York Giants. He did well at Temple and the Owls, and then went to Baylor who was about to be on probation, going all his probably out the whole Art Bryles mess. 
And then he turned that program around. First year, they were terrible. Second year, 7-6, got him a bowl victory. And then this past season, 11-3, getting to the Sugar Bowl and losing to Georgia. So, very tough battle for the Baylor Bears, how he's improved that program. And they were played Oklahoma twice, very close games. They could have won the Big 12 title. So, I, I talked to my friend Ryan today at work. He, you know, he's a big-time Baylor fan. Yeah, he was a little PO'd that he was leaving. But I told him, look, I think Matt Rule, even though he was telling everyone was staying, I think he was going to leave at some point sooner or later. Because the NFL kept calling him. He was getting looked up by the Panthers, the Giants, the Browns. He turned down the Browns. Probably a smart move by him. And I felt if it wasn't the NFL, another big college like USC, Florida State, who they went different directions, but they could have picked them, another big school. So he was going to leave. Texas, if Tom Herman had another struggle, he's probably going to go down there. So that, to me, was surprising. Not surprising that they picked him. What was surprising was David Tepper had to cough the money. Now, I was like, when we talked about Mike McCarthy having a slumber party at Jerry Jones' house, I'm like, oh, let me guess. Did he have a sleeping party at his place and had a... Uh, signed a contract overnight or something. So apparently what, how this went down was David, Penner, David Tepper excuse me, went to Waco and he wouldn't even leave the house until he had agreed to that contract. So he pony up $60 million, which can go up to $70 million based on incentives, yeah. for a seven-year contract for a, a guy who's never coached in the NFL but has a lot of potential. And what was funny about this whole situation was he before he signed that contract, he called the New York Giants because the Giants had an interview with him set up already after that, the mm-hmm. same day after the Carolina Panthers interview, and they were going to start to see, hey, this is what Carolina, you know, like you know, when you're going to buy a car, you want to compare deals, it's hey, a bargaining wanna, chip, you know, get more money. I see yeah, what he's doing. Yeah. Do a smart move by Matt Rule, and the Giants said, how much are offering you? Seven years, sixty million dollars? No thanks. We're okay. No thanks. We're good. We're going to take the cheap route. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, so, we will. Uh, Holy crap. So I was like, man, I know everyone's like ridiculing the Carolina Panthers, but look, man, to me, they got a, a guy who potentially changed the offense for Carolina. And, hey, we know Dave Tepper's got a bunch of money. You had to break the bank to do it. Why not do it? Now, let's go from that move to – what the New York Giants did. So the Giants decided to go out there, and they said, okay, we don't have Matt Rule anymore. There's no Mike McCarthy. Josh McDaniels will probably pull a Colts on us and probably decide, yeah, I'll go there. Ah, no, I won't. I'll stay in New England. Um, so the best choice after that, who do you think that would be? Oh, Joe Judge. Who? The wide receiver coach from New England. Who? Joe Judge, baby. I don't know who he is, but apparently he's... Been is he his, not related to Aaron Judge? He is I, not. He is not. Um, but he's going to the Big Apple. That's the only judge I know in I New York. I think he'll be really good friends with Aaron Judge at this point. Um, but Joe Judge got hired as the head coach of the New York Giants, which was a huge move by the Giants. No one saw it coming. It came out of left field. Um no one really knows about this guy that much. I mean, after seeing this season with New England... I wouldn't necessarily say he did a good job with his wide receivers because there were no wide receivers there besides Julian Edelman and Philip Dorsett. And that was pretty much it. Yeah, Dylan. Now, to be fair, according to ESPN, they are finalizing the agreement. So, almost official. Almost uh, it, official. Uh, it, it's, but basically, it it's is. pretty much done. But at this point, as of right now, it's done everybody. Even Stephen A. Smith. 
you're the New York Giants, and the best person you can hire is a wide receiver coach? <laughs> like you said, they had no wide receivers. They had no wide receivers. So, no. And Now, I, I get the potential for the credentials for Joe Judge because, okay, he was at Alabama with Nick Saban for three seasons, won two championships. Goes to Bill Belichick, there for eight years, they won a bunch of Super Bowls. So I, I get it from that perspective. But I'm like, this is New York, guys. Like, you can't get anybody else. And I'm like, I know you got Daniel Jones, but even he's like, Joe Judge who? Now, <laughs> <laughs> who is this guy? Now, I, I, I don't understand. I get it from that perspective. But I'm like, you're the New York Giants. And we had reports earlier in the day that they were going to talk. They're talking to Jason Garrett which we thought was a head coaching role, but it turns out it's the offensive coordinator role. And also, Jason Garrett's still under contract with the Dallas Cowboys until the 14th. The 14th, yeah. He can't do anything until the 14th. So he has another week where he's sitting there awkwardly, like the redheaded stepchild, ironically, um, in Dallas, just twiddling his thumbs. Like, he's getting paid for this next week, and then he's getting let go and going to the Giants, apparently as their offensive coordinator. Yeah, and the Cowboys have granted him permission, so that looks very likely. So I talked to Jeremiah, my roommate, and he, he's like, I, I'm, I'm very pessimistic, but who knows? Anything can happen. It could be turned around, but I'm worried. I mean, here's how you can look at it, Dylan, for Joe Judge. He's a special teams uh, coach. It's very rare you see a special teams coach go from special teams coach to head coach. It's very rare. Last time we saw that was at least a successful was John Harbaugh. He was a former special team coach for the Philadelphia Eagles when he left to join Baltimore. Of course, he's been in Baltimore for like almost two decades, it seems. But he's made them competitive, turned it around. He's won a Super Bowl. He made me one other one this year. Hoping my Titans have something to say about that. Hopefully so. <laughs> but uh, the Ravens are, are, are a very good team. So that's the last time he's been successful. But, I mean, the Giants, the other options, okay, you're going to hire a college coach that – Lately, college coaches haven't been successful. Chip Kelly. And then you have a coordinator that you just don't know what you're getting. And I told my roommate Jeremiah, that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario could be he just falls flat in his face and he's out the door after one year and then the Giants are going through this again. And I know there's been rumors about Bill Belichick and his status. We'll talk about that in, in later, later in the show. But the Giants made a very... <laughs> A very questionable move, I would say. High-risk move. Yeah. That we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. And we also have to see what the contract's going to be, too. We don't know what the contract is yet. We don't know the details of the contract. That's true, too. It might not be just a one-year deal. That's the thing. I mean, and if in that case, when it comes to multi-year deals with head coaches, a lot of the times it's very hard to get rid of, get out of those. I mean, I know recently we have seen several coaches that have one-year contracts or multiple-year contracts, Freddie Kitchens, who gets fired after the first season, but and Pat Shermer too. Pat Shermer was there. No, he was there two seasons. Never mind. Um, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see what the term is on that contract and how much it's for. Um, but it was a very questionable move by the Giants. I don't know what was going on there, but they decided to go with Joe Judge. We'll see how he does there. Um, and last but not least, the Cleveland Browns are still out there coachless. I think they're kind of hoping on um, uh, Josh McDaniels, but we haven't seen anything about Josh McDaniels yet. He does have an interview set up with the Cleveland Browns um, very soon, so we'll see how that goes, and we will keep you posted as we hear these new 
developments going along um, in the coaching carousel in the NFL. So let's go over to college football real quick. Let's do a quick recap of our seasons with our respective teams. Talk about the uh, bowl games a little bit, and then we'll talk about the college football playoff as well. Um, so for the Tennessee Volunteers, we finished the season 7-5, and five, went to the Tax Slayer Bowl in Jacksonville. We actually began the season going 1-4, and four, I believe. Um, and we just didn't do really well in the first part of the season. We benched Jason, uh, Jarrett Garantano, um, played a freshman quarterback for a little while. And then, J- uh, Jarrett Garantano came back. He started lighting up, um, the team a little bit and they went on a, a five game win streak, went to the tax Slayer bowl against IU Indiana university. And at halftime, uh, actually in the third quarter, they were down 22 to nine and, in a matter of 30 seconds, Tennessee scored two touchdowns and won the game 23-22 and in miraculous fashion won that game, um, shut them down on defense in the fourth quarter, and the rest is history. So congratulations to Tennessee Volunteers. They have a very bright future. Um, it looks like uh, Jeremy Pruitt is riding the ship there, so hopefully we'll see some more advances next season. But it's going to be a tough SEC East. We have the Florida Gators. We have Mizzou still. We have the South, uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. Georgia. Georgia. I mean, we have some very tough teams in that division. Um, we'll see how Tennessee can fare. But, I mean, you know, Tennessee held their own this season. Uh, I'm very proud of them going 8-5 and five on the season and winning their bowl game. Um, that, that's more than I could say at the very beginning of the season. So, that's yeah, huge. Yeah, Dylan, uh, your team finished strong. And speaking of 8-5, and five, the other UT, this would be in Texas – the Texas Longhorns, we, we, we had a really down season for our standards. Yeah, A lot of people, after we beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl last year, a lot of people thought, oh, we're going to compete for championships and, and probably win the Big 12 and maybe go to the playoffs. Uh, that didn't happen. Nope. LSU pretty much killed that in Iowa State and Baylor and everybody. So, you know, we got to go to the Alamo Bowl. Tom Herman fired everybody, all his coordinators, all gone, bringing in new people. And we played Utah, who Utah was in the playoff hunt. They were right there, lost to Oregon in their final game. So we were playing a good Pac-12 team. And Texas, I was very surprised. They, they just went out gun blazing in this game. We were up 10 nothing after the first half. Second half, we just took it to another level. was up 24-10. to Utah only got three points in the third quarter. Uh, Keontae Ingram was shoving it for everybody, shoving the, uh, the Utah players in the defense to get a touchdown. Uh, Sam Ellinger, he rushed for a touchdown. He got three touchdowns in this game, 200, uh, over 200 yards passing. And our receivers, Colin Johnson, Keontae Ingram, Devin DuVernay, all of those guys got big points in that game. And we forced a fumble on the defensive side for Texas, or for Texas against Utah. So we won that game 38-10 in the Alamo Bowl. And, I hope this game, if anything, it builds momentum going into next season because we all know, Dylan, Tom Herman is on the hot seat for next year. It's all on him now. Okay, you fire everybody else. If you cannot get it done, because we go to LSU next year. We go to the Bayou, man. Well, and Joe Burrow's not going to be there anymore. I know Joe Burrow will be there, but still. It's a good thing. <laughs> but still, I mean, we got to get on a hot start next year because if we're off to slow start struggling again, I think Tom Herman's going to be out the door, man. So it's going to look rough, but... Very positive we got to win. So both us, Texas and Tennessee, are 8-5. and five. So hey. I guess you can't ask for anything more. We, we, a win's a win, right? A win's a win, exactly. We didn't go out with a losing record to end the season. 8-5 um, and five's respectable. I think it is. Uh, so it won't get you to the college football championship, 
like either LSU or Clemson, which we'll talk about those games now. Um, so LSU played up against Oklahoma in the semifinal and completely demolished them. Like oh it, it, it was not, it was not a game. Yeah, I was going to work at Under Armour that day, and I saw the score because I was ca- catching up on the game during my break, and I was like, "Does that say thirty-five to seven? Is this? A, am I reading it? I thought it was a typo, but no." Joe Burrow, thirty-five seven. He threw half. He threw seven touchdowns in the first half. Seven touchdowns in the first half. Yeah, unbelievable. I, you know, I think that the thing is, it's funny because Lincoln Riley was a huge name going into the college football semi semifinals to be an NFL coach. And you didn't hear his name at all after that game. A- after that game, he didn't have interviews. He didn't have anything. It just turned into, whoa, did you see that game against LSU? Yeah, we're not going to have him come over here because we don't want that on our team. So Lincoln, I mean, he, he's going to have to do some soul searching over this over the um, offseason. Because, I mean, look, you had Jalen Hurts. You had, uh, you, had, you had great players. Oklahoma's offense was... Firing on all cylinders all season. They only lost, what, two games? One game? Yeah, they one lost game. to K-State. That was which, the only loss. Which, I mean, K-State is offensively uh, powerful, too. But, I mean, you could see their defense. Oh, and Oklahoma's defense was just not able to stop them at all. Like, it just LSU just ran up the, cl- ran up the score. And uh, it was just an abysmal, abysmal game for Oklahoma. And uh, it just wasn't, wasn't very good for them. But then you look at the Clemson game. Clemson versus Ohio State. Ohio State, and we thought going into that game, Ohio State was going to go guns a blazing as well, but it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, Dylan. Well, this this game was close on the LSU Oklahoma game, and it was back and forth battle. And you thought Ohio State? I know they they had some controversy with the refs when some of the had a fumble recovery. They thought they had a touchdown, and it was called back, and. Clemson, who was down most of the game, came back, took the lead late. Ohio State goes down the field. You think they're going to tie the game or, or take the lead and win it? And they throw a pick at the end of the game. And, and that was it for Ohio State. Everything on the line right there to knock out the defending champs. And they came up short. But you got to get credit to Clemson, Dylan. Everyone's been saying, Clemson, they play nobody. They're in the ACC. They go undefeated every year and make the playoffs. I'm like, okay, I get that. But at least they show up. When Notre Dame went undefeated and made the playoffs, did they show up? Nope. No. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> nope. So, and that's the thing I always wonder. Like, these teams from the Midwest, Ohio State, Michigan, they play these teams from the South, and they're getting blown out of the water over these teams. So you got to get credit to Clemson. They really did a good performance. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, man, this is a guy. He's really redeemed himself after kind of starting on a slow start, especially after that North Carolina game. But they've really picked up. And now it sets up Dylan – the championship game, which it's crazy. We had to wait 16 days between December 28th till Monday the 13th. Next Absolutely Monday insane. For that game. It's usually not like that. No. So, but we're going to have a very cla- LSU top offense, best defense in the league, going against Clemson, who's the defending champs. You're going to have Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be the draft top draft pick next year if he goes out, against Joe Burrow, who's going to be the top draft pick this year. So... Dylan, uh, how are you seeing this one for this game? I, I, I can't even analyze it um, because LSU is going to win. I, I really think that that defense, that offense, I, I don't, I just don't see Trevor Lawrence going in there 
and beating the LSU defense. I really don't, and it has to go on him. He has to be the one to win this game. Trevor Lawrence does. And I know that at last year he went in, beat Alabama handedly. Um, that was a huge game for Trevor Lawrence. That was a statement game. I think that was the decline of the Alabama dynasty in the first place. I think that game was. Um, I don't see that happening with Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers. I think the LSU is going to go in this game, and they're going to dominate. I, I really think they're going to. And um, it's going to be really interesting because I, I just can't wait to see these two players play in the NFL against each other. I really can't. Hopefully they're in the same division because I would love to see them play against each other at least twice a year. Um, it's going to be a really good battle, but I, I think LSU is going to pull it out in the end. Definitely, Dylan. And I agree. I think LSU will knock off Clemson, the fighting champions, and they'll be the, the, the new champion. And I know it's the SEC team, but it is kind of nice to see someone other than Alabama win a championship. Yeah, and they're going to be playing in New Orleans as well. So it's going to be really cool to see them win in New Orleans too. All right, Dylan. Well, that wraps up the football chat. Let's talk about some hockey news. So let's talk about uh, Ilya Kovachuk. He's coming in. Uh, he was with the Kings, got put on waivers, didn't get signed by anybody on waivers. So now he's signed with the Montreal Canadiens. He made his debut last night. The Canadiens did lose, but he did okay. He had an assist in that game, and he played about 20 minutes in that game, 25 shifts. And Claude Julien said he was pretty impressive for the veteran uh, putting in the lineup. So he's probably going to mix it up and try to turn around for the Canadiens and see who they get in the playoff hunt. Let's talk about the hottest team in the league right now. You got Tampa Bay Lightning who are playing right now against the Vancouver Canucks. Both of these teams, Dylan, are coming in on seven-game winning streaks. So someone's streak is going to end tonight, and as of right now... It looks like it's going to be the Canucks the because... The Canucks are up 2 nothing on the Lightning. Nah, 2 nothing. 2 nothing Vancouver. That's what it says on my... Lightning are up 6-2 to two oh, oh, in the third period. I'm blind, guys. I'm blind. I'm against blind. the Canucks right now. Um, <laughs> 18 minutes to go in the third period. They're up 6-2. to two. So it looks like Vancouver Canucks are going to end their win streak very, very quickly against the Lightning, the red-hot Lightning, I guess you could say. Um, crazy. They, they, they've they've really turned around that team. and that's, that's Yeah, because the Lightning were off to a slow start, and now they picked it up. They were off, were off to a slow start. Now they're back in the playoff race. They're in third place in the Atlantic Division, so that's huge for the Lightning right now. Um, they are going on a tear, seven-game win games, seven game winning, winning streak. Um, which is the same kind of winning streak the Predators need to go on pretty soon. If you were living underneath a rock and if you hadn't heard the news from last night, Peter Laviolette, the head coach of the National Predators for the past five and a half seasons, was relieved of his duties as head coach, and so was Kevin McCarthy, the associate or the um, assistant coach there in Nashville. So now we have the former New Jersey Devils coach, John Hines, coming in. He is going to take, to take over the reins of the National Predators as a head coach, and he had his welcome introductory press conference this afternoon. It looks like a good hire. I think that John Hines will do a great job. He had a lot of success um, with the US, USA um, hockey team. They also had a lot of success with the AHL affiliate for the Philadelphia Philadelphia Flyer. Uh, no, I'm sorry, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So huge success for him. I, I think the Predators will do very, very well with this coach. And the biggest thing is the players that we have on this team just need to play to their their potential. I, I think we have a, a lot of potential on this team. We have a lot of all-star players on this team and a lot of firepower. I think offensively we're great. I think that defensively we need some work, especially goaltending as well, which is something we didn't think we were going to have to say at the very beginning of the season 
But Pecorine, it looks like Father Time is is quickly catching up to him. UC Saros has not played very well this season. Um, he has a very, uh, very poor record right now um, in the middle of the season. So we're at game 42 right now. We're starting the second half of the season. So hopefully we can turn it all with our new head coach with John, John Hines. But only time will tell, JT. Only time will tell. So let's talk about the Washington Capitals. Yeah, Dylan, the Washington Capitals are doing very well this season. Uh, first place in the Metro Division, 63 points. Uh, the Capitals, we're on a two-game winning streak right now. Uh, we're playing the Ottawa Centers. Uh, we beat Carolina 4-3, to and then our last game, we were playing the San Jose Sharks. We were down like two goals with like a minute to go, and we scored like two goals in like 10, like 20 seconds to get back, and we won the game in overtime. And then the Senators, we were down one nothing. then we scored five unanswered goals. Whoa. So now we're leading again, and uh, now we're going to – so like getting a, a victory. So the Capitals done. What's been impressed me is Braden Holtby. He's won 18 games, but our backup goalie Elias Samsonov. He's won 11 games. So goaltending has been a really key for us to stay atop the division. Uh, Ovechkin, you know, does what Ovechkin does: score lots of goals. But the breakout player for our team this year, Jacob Rana, he has 18 goals and uh, 16 assists. He's had a, a breakout season, and I expect that he's going to probably make make the All Star game later this month. Uh, Vashkin with 24 goals. John Carlson has the most points, 52 points so far. You know, Tom Wilson, you know, keeping stuff out of trouble so far. So, <laughs> you were doing okay. So, the Capitals are doing good. But, yeah, Dylan, I mean, the Preds, like you said, I agree. They they got to get things going, man. I mean, you're only five points out of the wild card spot. Yeah. So, hopefully, they'll turn it around. And, I mean, we have the captain, Roman Yossi. He is the highest scoring, or one of the highest scoring defensemen in the league right now. He is the um, leader in goals, assists, and points for the National Predators right now. So he is doing a lot of things for the team. He is actually putting this team on his back in certain situations and games, and he's doing a great job. But our offensive playmakers, Matt Duchesne, um, Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, um, Rocco Grimaldi, those guys just need to produce. I mean, the, our line, the biggest line we have right now is Grimaldi, Sissons, and ben, uh, Benino, actually. Um, they've been playing great hockey together. There's that man again. Yeah, man. And um, Colton Sissons is actually on in, uh, injured reserve right now. So is Ryan Ellis. He is the second pairman, or the the pair um, with Roman Yossi. He usually is paired up with him. So he's usually the top one of the top defenders we have on the team. He's out with um, a concussion right now, I believe, from an elbow he got from um, – Corey Perry, so that's not a good thing from the Winter Classic. Corey Perry got a five-game suspension for that hit, by the way. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, hopefully we'll get healthy. Hopefully we'll turn this thing around. Hopefully John Hines can inject our team with some energy because I think that we really need it right now. and We just need to right the ship and have a new voice in the locker room, and John Hines is the perfect hire for that. So let's move on to some basketball news. Former NBA commissioner David Stern sadly passed away from a uh, a brain hemorrhage, I believe it was, um, over the past week. So our thoughts and prayers are with the Stern family and condolences to everyone in the league. I know he touched the league um, in so many different ways when he was commissioner, and he really revolutionized the league when he was in charge. So um, definitely a great a great commissioner and a great um, ambassador for the game. I think, I think he did a great job. He put Adam Silver under his wing too, and that's why Adam Silver has had the respect he's gained um, as a commissioner because of the teachings of David Stern. So once again, our thoughts and prayers are with the Stern family as they go through this difficult time. Um, but we look at some other players in the league, Luka Dun- Dunchik and um, Giannis are leading the NBA 
all-star votes right now. So congratulations to those two. Um, any other big names that are leading right now? I know Taco Fall is number six um, in the Eastern Conference when it comes to the all-star voting right now. So that's very yeah, cool. six guy, former UCF Knight. Yes, Making yes. big things up there in Beantown for the Celtics. And then, of course, you know, you got usuals, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, uh, James Harden, the list goes on. I don't I don't think Ben Simmons might make the all-star team. Uh, Joel Embiid's been up and down with his injury, so I'm not sure if he's going to make it. Uh, but, yeah, Dylan, uh, the all-star game, it's not until next month, and then usually the trade deadline's after. So, NBA still going strong. Speaking of the NBA, though, our beloved Orlando Magic, uh, they've been 5-5 five and five in their last uh, 10 games so far, and they're currently holding the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. They did beat the Brooklyn Nets last night, and the Magic did very well in that game. Uh, Wes Awandu had 12 points. Aaron Gordon had 12, 11 points. And Evan Fournier, he's been our top uh, points getter for the Magic, averaging 18 points a game, helping us get that 101-89 victory over the Nets. And the Magic have done well. They've beaten the Wizards. They beat the Heat last week. They lost the Jazz but then getting the win over the Brooklyn Nets, and now they're uh, 17 and 20. So hopefully the Magic will keep it going in that Eastern Conference. And then the shocker was last night, my Spurs upsetting, who have been struggling all year of the season, but we beat the Bucks 126-104 to 104 last night. Uh, big performance in that game from DeMar DeRozan, 25 points. LaMarcus Aldridge, 17 points. And DeJounte Murray's back. He got 13 points. Rudy Gay helped us out, too. Patty Mills is back, too. 21 points as we upset the Bucks, uh, who's been the top team in the Eastern Conference. So we hope the Spurs, we're right now in eighth place in the West. We're like four, like a two games ahead of the Portland Trailblazers. So hopefully the Popovich, this is the time where he usually gets it turned around as we Spurs try to keep their 22-year playoff streak alive. So, Dylan, is there any other basketball news you want to recap real quick before we go over to our short football recap of the week? I don't think so. So, JT, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you for the football recap of the week. All right, so normally our football recap is like five minutes long. But in this case, we got stoppage time, two minutes. So, <laughs> so we want to get into our news uh, debate for part for the show. So, for the Orlando City SC, uh, they've been in the news. They hired a new coach. Oscar Pereira was announced as a coach last month. And the team's getting ready for training camp. We did make some roster moves that Orlando City's been making some news to bring young players from the academy to build that roster. I'm not sure how Orlando City is going to transition into doing this season, but we will see what happens for Orlando City SC as we get close to the season. Uh, the Orlando Seawolves, uh, I just found this out with, last week. They announced that there's been some drama with that team. So Chris Kokalis, who was the owner, GM, and the head coach of the team, had resigned from the team last month. So the team went league-owned by the Major Arena Soccer League, and now they're looking for local ownership. In the meantime, they brought back their former coach, Tom Traxler, to be the head coach of the team. He's going to carry that team for the rest of the season. They're 1-5 right now, Dylan, sitting in seventh place in the Eastern Conference, but they're hoping to turn around to make that late playoff push as we start the second half of the season. They start on January 10th on the road against the Kansas City Comets. And the Orlando Pride, there's news today that they announced that former NWSL league president Amanda Duffy has been named the Orlando Pride executive vice president. So she's going to come in, change some things for Orlando Pride because they really struggled this past season. 
Uh, Eric Ostrich, who was the GM for the team, is going to be moving to the men's side on February 15th. So that, guys, will conclude my football recap of the week. So we have a new segment. It's going to be a debate segment. We don't really have a name for it yet. If you have a name option out there, you can tweet us at OOB Podcast or email me, Dylan, at aboundpodcast.com. And we will uh, definitely listen to your suggestions for the name of this segment. But um, so this debate segment, we're going to talk, we're going to have several questions that we ask each other and um, just kind of debate the topic. We'll give each other about a 30 second response per um, question and go from there. So first question, did Tua return make the right decision to go pro? Uh, I think, Dylan, that Tua made, made the decision. I think it was based a lot on his health. Once he got the medical records and everyone's saying that, you know, you're good to go, you're still going to be a top 10 pick, uh, you've got a lot of money, you can't turn that down. And I think for two up, he made the best decision. I know it was an emotional decision, but going turning pro is the best decision. I hope he stays healthy and it works out for him. Now, depending on what team he goes to, that's a wild card. I, I hope for Tua, he gets drafted by a team that has a established quarterback where he can be a backup, learn for a year or two, and then get out there and then... Jury's out, Dylan, but we'll have to wait and see. But I think as of right now, yes, he made the right decision. In my opinion, I think he should have stayed at Alabama. I think that Alabama needed Tua, first of all. I think Tua needed Alabama as well. I think Tua needed to add to his resume a bit more. I think he needed to look at having a Heisman Trophy um, winning season, possibly. Uh, Another national championship under his belt, I think would have been good for him too. I think, and also you're putting a lot of money on the table for Tua as well. Going into the draft this season, compared to next season where he would possibly be the number one overall draft pick compared to this year where he might be number 10, number 15. He's looking at anywhere between 10 to 15 to $20 million he's leaving on the table just for going into the NFL early. I don't think it's worth it. I think he should have stayed at Alabama one more season at least to have a, a bit more experience, I think, with Alabama. Alabama's, they're as close to a pro team as you can get. And so I think that he should have stayed at Alabama one more season, get more tape, get more experience. And so next year, he could cash in. All right, Dylan, our next topic is, will the Cowboys, now they hired Mike McCarthy, win a Super Bowl? I think the Cowboys are primed to win a Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy as the head coach. The reason why is because this is the best team, the most talented team that Mike McCarthy's had around him in his tenure as a head coach in the league. I really think it is. I think that Dallas Cowboys have pieces on offense, have pieces on defense, has a great special teams unit too. I think this team, you know, the biggest thing with Green Bay when he was with Green Bay was that Aaron Rodgers was that team. He was that offense. He was that team driving the ball down the field, getting touchdowns. I I think that they rode too much on Aaron Rodgers in his tenure in Green Bay, um, and their defense was not as good. I think their defense is a lot better this year um, underneath uh, their their new head coach. um, I forgot his name now. Who are we talking about? Green Bay head coach. Oh, it was a former uh, offensive Matt LaFleur. Player, Matt LaFleur. I, there you yeah. go, Matt LaFleur. <laughs> Sorry, that does not add to my 30 seconds. Uh, Matt LaFleur, I think that, that yes, the, the, the Cowboys will win a Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy. Maybe not next year, but they will win a Super Bowl. Well, Dylan, I'm still kind of pessimistic about the Cowboys. I mean, this is the Cowboys, okay? They haven't won a Super Bowl or have been anywhere close to Super Bowl since the 90s. And they've had, okay, Bill Parcells. They've had... Uh, Tony Sperano, they've had, uh, of course, uh, freaking Jason Garrett for like a decade, and he only won like, what, two playoff games? So the Cowboys, and even when Jason Garrett was there, 
They never got past the second round. Now, I think with Mike McCarthy, he's going to definitely make him competitive. I think he's going to he's learn from his ways from his Green Bay days and just change, and he's going to get an opportunity to prove that. But Dak Prescott, you know, he's going to stay healthy. Are they going to give him a contract extension? Which I, are Amari Cooper, same thing. Ezekiel LA got his money, and where are you going to spend that extra money on the defense? Because that's where I think really hurt the Cowboys this year. If you're going to compete in the NFC East against these teams like the Redskins, you got to have a solid defense. So, They'll be close, but I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon. All right, next question is, will Tom Brady return to the Patriots? Uh, Dylan, I think it's, it's everything's up in the air with New England. But I think for Tom Brady, I think it's a really good chance, Dylan, he's going to suit up for a different team. I know it's hard to believe, but we've seen it with Brett Favre. We've seen it with Joe Montana. It's happened where these quarterbacks have been legends for so long, play different teams. And I think with Tom Brady, I think he's ready, Dylan, for a different change. Because, look, he knows he's not going to be in New England. Bill Belichick probably doesn't want him. And he's probably doing what's best for the whole situation. Just go somewhere else. Now, who is he going to play for? Who knows? There'll be some options. Uh, we got Indy. We got Tampa Bay. New Orleans, maybe. A team that's set up to win now. So, I think he's going to have some options to go. But I think his time in New England is up, Dylan. I think he's going back to New England. I, at a certain point, at the end of the day, there is no team out there that is complete enough to win a Super Bowl compared to the New England Patriots. I think that the only team that could come close to that is the Indianapolis Colts. The only reason why I don't think he will go to the Colts is because he doesn't want to follow in the shadow of Peyton Manning. He doesn't want to be that. He wants to be his own man. He wants to win a seventh ring. He wants to continue for three more seasons. I think that there's going to be two scenarios. Either one, he stays with the Patriots because he'll find out there's no other place he can go. Or two, he'll just retire. I, I think at this point in his career, he's won six championship rings. It wouldn't be bad for him to retire. I know it ends on a pick six by Logan Ryan at Foxborough. I mean, that's, that sucks. But, you know, you can't pull you can't pull Brett Favre in this situation. You can't go into a team and say, you know what, we were so close last year, let's try it again, and then get injured midseason. I mean, you just can't do it. With Tom Brady, he is 42. I, I think at this point, he either hangs up his cleats or saves with the Patriots. All right, Dylan. Well, today the XFL announced league, their league rules for the upcoming uh debut or I guess in this case return of the XFL next month so Dylan what what rules most intrigue you um you know the the overtime rules are pretty intriguing the it's more of like the gunslinger um shootout rules I guess you could say starting at the five yard line going back and forth back and forth um it's it's intriguing to see if this XFL will actually survive the AAF which JT and I really actually really liked um was a league that it wasted money very, very quickly. It got ran out of money very, very quickly. So I know that Vince McMahon, he's the one that's that's putting up the money for this. But at a certain point, how much money does he have to put in before he says, you know what? I don't think this is going to work. This isn't going to work a second time. Um, the first time was my best chance, and it just it's I'm going to blow it this time. Um, XFL, I don't know how long it's going to stay in existence, but um, it'll be nice to have something else besides the NFL to watch um, when the NFL is not on. Well, Dylan, the purpose of these rule changes is to develop faster play and, and more excitement. Uh, so it's it's totally different than with the traditional NFL. And no weird kickoffs. That's the only one I don't get. But I do like how if you score a touchdown, you get a situation, you go, what, two yards? You don't kick the kickoff. 
or PAT. You get one point. If you move five yards, it's two points. If you move 10 yards, you get three points. Three points? I mean, it's like basketball, basically. So to me, that makes sense. And then you have rules where, um, you know, the, the kickoff design, the scourge touchbacks, uh, players can't leave the line of scrimmage. And then, like you mentioned, the shootout and style and overtime, I think that's going to add interest because, you know, things rotating the, the ball, I mean, that's something you don't see in the NFL. So they got some rules, but I think it could work. But again, Dylan, you mentioned the XFL. We don't know if it's going to last two, three years. We don't know. And that's the wild card. You know, everyone's talking about spring football and lasting. So, but you said Vince McMahon, he's putting a lot of money, but we have to see if it's going to survive or it's going to end up like the AAF. Yeah. The last question we have is the Rooney Rule working in the NFL. Yeah, Dylan, we, we had a lot of debate about this and on the on Sports Channel today. And with the NFL, it's hard, Dylan. Right now, you only have three black coaches coaching in the league. Four minorities and three black coaches. Yeah, four minorities and mm-hmm. three black coaches, yep. And what's crazy with uh, was uh, everyone was talking about uh, Bellamy, the, uh, the coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's getting the interviews, but he didn't get a job. And wasn't it two years ago we had, like, what, eight black coaches in the league? And then after, like, what that season, like, half of them got fired. And now we're down to the three. I'm like, is the Rooney rule good enough? And I say, Dylan, look, you got to get these teams to expand the – at least interview five candidates. Make it, like, at least legit. Like, you're – I mean, I know it's hard because mostly these teams probably already have in mind who they're going to hire – but you got to make it like a legit, a fair process. You can't have like the Dallas Cowboys only interview two coaches, Marvin Lewis, who sounds like he was just used just for the Rooney Rule anyways, and when you hire Mike McCarthy, it just makes no sense. So I don't think it's working, Dylan. I think they have, the NFL has to look at making some changes to make it. But Dylan, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's working or not? Uh, you know what? I think that the Rooney Rule, it, it's forcing it upon teams to at least try to interview one, one coach. I think that at this point... I don't know why we're trying to force the issue of, hey, you have to interview this one person. I think if we force it upon them, I think that it just turns them off from the idea. Um, you know, with Bellamy, the only bad thing about Bellamy is is he's with the Kansas City Chiefs, and they could possibly go for a deep run into the Super Bowl. If they go into the Super Bowl, then he's not going to be available until that point. A lot of coaches, when they're looking at um, trying to put together a team, trying to put together um, uh, some sort of system into their new offense, their new defense, things of that nature, they have to have time to do that. And this time right now, the teams that are not in the playoffs are the ones that are sitting there at home scheming their new offenses, scheming their new defenses, and trying to see what pieces need to fit where to have a good, solid team. So at that point, I mean, that's why he didn't get the job. That's why he didn't get um, more interviews than he did. But, you know, I, I think that at a certain point, it will happen. I, I really do think it'll happen. I think that forcing the issue like the NFL has with the Rooney rule, yes, I I wouldn't mind it being rewritten at, at some point, making it to where there are certain um, other different criteria they have to meet before just saying, hey, you have to interview one minority coach and that's the only thing you can do. And, and once you do that, you're, you're, um, you're done. I, I think that either rewrite it or completely scrap it and create something different. So now we are joined by the legendary, the iconic... Uncle Bobby, he hasn't been here in quite some time, but he is with us. Well, we haven't been here in quite some time, but he hasn't been here much longer than that. It's probably been almost a year now, but Uncle Bobby's back on the sound waves here on Out of Bounds. Uncle Bobby, the floor is yours. 
You know, first off, it's glad to be back. It's been 38 years. That's Whoa, how long it's been. 38 uh, years. You guys were still in pre-K. Um, wow. And so my... Um, we'll start off with my uh, scam. All right. Okay? All right. Um, my scam is uh, Pat Williams. Uh, really nice guy. Went through a lot you know, with the magic and his, you know, his leukemia and stuff and everything. Yeah. But now he wants to have a baseball team try number two. It oh, failed before. It the, uh, Orlando, Orlando Dreamers. Dreamers, the Dreamers. And oh, Tampa, I, right? I just can't believe that he actually thinks they're going to give us a franchise where there's really nowhere to put it. And when the Tampa Bay came over here in 2007 to have a series with the Rangers, if you all remember, they played an actual series at the Champion Stadium at the Braves facility okay. at Disney. Okay. And they averaged right about sellout, which is like about 9,500. But. Most people were wearing Rangers jerseys, not Tampa jerseys. So yeah. the owner got mad. He said, we're not coming back. Of course. So if they played, where would they first put it? And what would the attendance be? So I can't believe that he actually thinks that they're going to give us a franchise. The attendance to me would probably be, I would say probably 60% tourists and 40% locals in that situation. It's kind of like an Orlando Magic game. Right. Orlando Magic Games, most of the fans that are in there are not Orlando natives. They're just fans of right. the opposing team. Mm-hmm. They're tourists, man. Well, right. because, game. Yeah, because this is such a tourist-centric right. city. That's right. the reason why. So, uh, you know, I don't believe we would be successful having an MLB franchise here. I could see Tampa Bay moving from Tampa Bay, but I'm not saying they're coming here. I mean, again, I think that this market, if they actually want to have a fan base that lives in the same city as they play in, it's kind of hard to have a team here in Orlando where they kind of back you. I mean, Orlando Magic, yes, they did have locals go to the games when they went to the playoffs last season, but you just having a tourist town sports team is just kind of odd to me. Right. But even the name is what gets me. Yeah, I, the yeah. Dreamers, it just sounds like a peewee squad right. that he decided to put together <laughs> right. instead. So if, if the MLB doesn't work out, he can use that name as a peewee squad. Right. That might work. Right. Yeah, Dylan, I agree with you guys. I think the issue with Orlando is people ask the mayor, Buddy Dyer, hey, what do you think about getting the Rays to come up here up the road to Orlando? And even Mayor Buddy Dyer said, we're focused on the team tier. Yeah. I want to be here. Yeah. So Orlando City, I know they've been struggling, but – they're still doing okay attendance wise. The Magic, yeah, they were getting you know a lot of tourists and the outside fans, but that's a Florida team in any Florida city, Miami, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. No matter which team you go, if they're playing a team from New York, Dallas, Chicago, L.A., you're going to see more of their fans than the other way around. Yeah, that's just how it is. Um, I remember one year I went down to Miami. The, the Dolphins were playing the Eagles, and I kid you not, I went to. Sun Life Stadium, whatever it's called now, Hard Rock Stadium, and there were more green, the Eagles fans, than the turquoise Miami Dolphins blue colors. That yeah. I've seen in, in, so in Florida, it's just such a melting pot. That's that's how it is. Not only that, if teams are winning, okay, you might get a chance, but your teams are losing, you're always going to get more of the road fans. Mm-hmm. So for Orlando, I'm, it's good that they're focused on the magic in Orlando City and the women's team, the pride, and I think Orlando just doesn't want to stretch their budget. I think for Tampa Bay, the way they try to string St. Pete and be like, okay, guys, uh, Tampa Bay, if you're not going to build a stadium, we're going to try to do 
half the season in Montreal, half of Tampa Bay or St. Pete. That is stupid. Why would yeah, you do dumb. that? Well, and St. Pete is such a far drive for most of course fans. It is. I mean, I know that they're they're targeting Tampa fans, but a lot of Orlando people I know of actually go down to Tampa to go see those games. And so driving from Orlando to St. Pete, where there's only one bridge to get there to St. Pete from mm-hmm. Tampa, it, it's it's a cluster. Mm-hmm. Like after a game, especially trying to get out of that city to get back to mm-hmm. Tampa, it's insane to see how much traffic there is just from those those baseball games. And the sm- the best sample size you could possibly look at for an MLB team possibly being here was when the Braves used to play at Champion Stadium. The only time they would have the, the highest attendance they had every single year was when the Yankees would come play. And the Red Sox. And the Red Sox. Right. Yankees, though, it was the highest attended game and it would be all Yankees fans. It Come would be 70-30 right. in terms of Yankees fans. So, you know, I, I don't think they'd have a good following here. And I, I think that's kind of what Buddy Dyer is kind of hinting towards as well. He knows how the attendance was for the Braves games. He knows how poorly those those games, you know, were, um, were making. I mean, they weren't making much money at all. When it comes to revenue for ESPN, the, the sports complex, Disney, they weren't making much money off of that. And the Braves wanted Disney to spend a lot of money to re- like renovate that whole area. And instead of doing that, they said, you know what, we're just going to get a brand new place mm-hmm. and move away from here. And mm-hmm. that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Not only that, Dylan, we've seen that if Orlando, if we can't even support minor league baseball... The Florida Fire Frogs just packed up and left. Yeah, right. Because they weren't selling their stadium, and they were. I heard rumors that the owner was like doing some shady things with the money, and the team was doing poorly. So when their stadium became available, Orlando City said, "Hey, you get a stadium to us, we'll pay you a bunch of money. You can go bye bye." And that's basically what happened. So mm-hmm. now the B team, the Orlando City B team, is moving from Mount Ver to Kissimmee to play at that stadium now, and I'm sure that's what Buddy Adair alluded to at. If we can't support minor league baseball, how are we going to support major league baseball? For the Tampa Bay Rays, I think if they down the road, if they still can't get something done in Tampa, to me, you have two options, really three options that I would consider. Because I know MLB's talked about expansion, but I think before they expansion, they got to figure out some of the Rays. So I know they talked about Montreal, but you can't just look at Montreal. I know geographically, okay, it makes sense, but I would look at Las Vegas. Look, Las Vegas is booming. Well, I'm here in Portland. And Portland, that's another yeah. area I think they should look at yeah. because, I mean, it'll be a natural rival with Seattle, and you got the West Coast California teams there, and the weather there too is oh, yeah. is well, the perfect rumor, year round. The rumor, that, Russell rumor. Wilson, the yeah. Seahawks quarterback, wants to own a team and base in Portland. Yeah, the, the rumor for Vegas was that they're going to take out the Rio Hotel that's off the Strip, and they're going to put a stadium there. And it's already in the works, so we haven't heard for sure, but that's something here in the room. And I think we'll see a lot more traction with that if the Las Vegas Raiders do well. And I think with their new stadium that they're building yeah, they right now. they start there this year. Yeah, they start there this year. Later this year, uh, yeah. the, this, the arena they have there is phenomenal. Right. Um, I think that they'll do great things in Vegas. So depending on what the attendance looks like for those games and depending on what the mix of fans is for those games, because, I mean, you looked at the Las Vegas Golden Knights, too. When the Golden Knights started there, they've had some pretty good success when it comes to attendance. So if they have good attendance there in Las Vegas, I could see another team going there. Uh, that is a great place for a team to go. Um, but Portland, uh, that uh, weather-wise, I mean, you can't be really dome, beat Portland. Yeah. yeah, you can't beat it. So, yeah. um, All right, well, let's go to winners and losers. So, Bobby, I will start with you first. Okay, since, like I said, my last time was 38 years ago, um, I want to <laughs> say I'm 
congratulations to the Miami Dolphins, who are 16-0, and and they're getting ready to play their uh, second Super Bowl and uh, against the Washington Redskins. So hopefully they'll be the first undefeated team uh, for the whole year, and I hope that that will work out for them because I really like the Dolphins. Uh, but to the actual uh, winner, it would be Kalia Mack of the Chicago Bears. Okay. And uh, he has a foundation, which I also have one, but it's not the same as his because uh, it's funded differently. But anyway, and I don't get the tax write-off. But anyway, he went to his hometown um, in Fort Pierce and went to a local Walmart and paid off 300 families' layaway accounts for Christmas. Yeah. And um, looking at the photos of some of the people he was with, I think that the next time the Bears make the Super Bowl, those people will still have the layaway balances if he didn't pay for for them. That's how long it's going to be. So, But anyway, it's really nice to see that he did that, and uh, it's really happy to see that from him. Very good. JT? You don't have a loser this week, Bob? Oh, that's right. I, I oh. totally skipped to your loser. Well, okay. Who's your that's, loser? So my loser would be the combination of the NFL and the Patriots. And, of course, this is Spygate 2. Oh. Now, with the, of course, the uh, Bill Belichick uh, theory is, oh, no, I didn't know anything about that. And that, that wasn't the same. And then they also have uh, proof now, audio proof, that they went, when they were caught at this Bengals-Browns game, that they were on caught on film and audio saying, let us erase it. We'll just erase the film that we did. Oh. So now, but it's coming down to the NFL saying that they have to have actual proof that they were actually filming and it wasn't like what they said they were doing, like a uh, uh, it was a film crew that doesn't work for the Patriots. It's like an outside company or something. Okay. But, but the NFL has still not announced a punishment yet. So we're still waiting to see what punishment is going to be. But, I mean, come on. This is how many times are they going to keep doing this to get away with it? So there's something definitely going on, but that's my loser. There will be punishment that gets handed down. If it's not, It'll be something like a team fine or a loss of a draft pick or something along those lines. These cases have happened in the past before, especially being a repeat offender like the Patriots have been when it comes to Spygate, when it comes to um, Deflategate as well. Right, right. So this, this Spygate is 2.0. Yeah, exactly. The first so. one was what? A million dollar, half a million dollar fine and a loss of a draft pick. Yeah. So what are you going to do for two? Two draft picks? I mean, we'll have to see. Right. We'll have to see. I mean, that, that, I'm sure there will be there will be punishment handed down, and I'm sure that Robert Kraft, uh, not Robert Kraft, uh, Roger Goodell will completely mess it up like he always does. Right. But, you know, something will happen. The Twitterverse will go ablaze that day as well. If it's a good, if it was a good choice, it was a bad choice. Patriots fans will be upset. Still be upset about the first round um, exit from the Tennessee Titans. So uh, I'm happy that Patriots fans are going to be upset. But hopefully they do the right thing. I think that Roger Goodell will do um, something, but we just need to know what the extent of the punishment will be. So JT, on to you, sir. All right, guys, so my winner this week is Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. So Josh Jacobs, growing up, he was homeless, and he and his four siblings, they had to live in their dad's car for a while. So what he decided to do after being uh, to the 24th pick for the Raiders in this past year's draft in 2019, he uh, bought his dad a house, nice, oh, nice house, nice, and just to kind of show appreciation for the sacrifice he's made to, to get to where he is in the NFL, so... He is my winner this week. My loser this week is Major League Baseball and how they're trying to get ahead of the game with this sign-stealing bases controversy. So we've heard the news a lot with the Astros and how they're allegedly stealing signs when they were winning championships and all that. 
And then just today, they announced the Boston Red Sox, with their manager Alex Cora, that they were accused of using video replay science for stealing teams' opponent science when they won their championship back in 2018. So baseball, I'm not sure what they're trying to do to, to fix this problem. They've tried so many things, but it seems like teams are finding ways to still gain an advantage. And, I mean, I get it. The Patriots, we've seen it with the video and all that that Bob just alluded to. And I'm kind of like baseball. Is it, is it really that difficult? Like, if they're getting tapes from, like, their video re- review rooms up in the boards during uh, baseball games, like, just put league staff. Don't put team staff in there. Just put our own MLB staff, like they do in NHL Toronto, the NFL does in New York, and make it league personnel only. Do not enter. Something. Because all these teams getting accused of uh, stealing science is kind of – hurting the league and MLB you're trying to get more credibility especially after the whole steroid era and all that happened so you're trying to rebuild your up so I know MLB said they're not going to make an announcement on the Astros fate until a couple weeks so we'll have more details about that probably in a few weeks but just seeing the MLB and what they're going to do that's kind of my curiosity but as of right now with everything that's going on with this stealing signs it's hurting the league so they're my loser this week all right who you got uh winner this week is none other than Derrick Henry the 2019 rushing title holder. The coolest story about that is uh, the last game of the season uh, against the Houston Texans in Houston, Mike Vrabel, Coach Mike Vrabel, walked over to Derrick Henry and said, look, for you to get the rushing title, I'm giving you two carries. That's it. The next play, he went out there on the field. He ran for 53 yards and a touchdown to get the rushing title. Absolutely phenomenal year for him. Over 1,500 yards rushing. Um, he carried the team in New England as well, um, carrying the ball 34 times, 182 yards, averaging 5.4 yards a, a carry. Like He's been phenomenal this season. He is carrying the team. I think that Ryan Tannehill threw for 74 yards that game, um, so he wasn't anything extraordinary, but Derrick Henry definitely carried the weight of the team on his shoulders and won the game for him. So congratulations to Derrick Henry. And my loser this week... Uh, I'm going to say, this is a tough one. I'm going to have to probably say Pred's Twitter. Pred's Twitter was blowing up saying that, um, John Hines was a terrible, uh, coaching decision by David Poyle saying that he, he had a terrible record over in New New Jersey, although they weren't looking at his records when he was with the USA hockey, uh, national development program to training program. And also with an AHL affiliate for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I, I think he's going to be just fine. I think Hines is going to be a great coach for the Preds. I think that he brings a lot of tenacity, a lot of um, fast offense, aggressive offense, um, solid defense too. I think that he's definitely going to do wonders for this team. And hopefully the team wakes up. I think that if the team wakes up, that they can make a push to the playoffs. And we'll see what happens when we get there. Because as, as long as you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. I think this team has the talent to do so. But Preds Twitter, I mean, they were just uh, ramming this head coaching um, this head coaching hire. And um, I think that it's just, you know, sit back, relax, let him do his thing, and let's see what he can do with the last 41 games of the season starting tonight. So that's my winners and losers. Let's go to final thoughts. JT? Well, my final thought is just wishing... Tua Tagovailoa, good luck. And I know this decision he made yesterday going to the NFL was a tough decision for him. I know Nick Saban said he's like a son to me, so it's tough seeing him go. But 
I think Tua is doing what's best for him. I mean, let's face it. If if your medical records, if you feel confident they're going to say you're going to do positive and the NFL is still going to pay you a bunch of money, you got to go. You can't just go back to college and risk getting hurt again. And then there you go. So I know Tua had a great college career. I know it didn't end it the way he wanted to, but hopefully whichever team drafts him, whether it's Miami or L.A. Chargers or whoever he ends up with, that you know they keep him on the bench for the first year, develop him right, get him going, and then hopefully he just boosts his confidence and and hopefully leads the team to possibly a championship. It's hard with Alabama because believe it or not, Dylan, Nick Saban since he's been in Alabama, he's all the quarterbacks that have gone through that program, Greg um, McElroy, AJ McCarron, and now Tua. He's never had a first-round pick, never, in since he's been in Alabama. So Tua obviously is going to break that record. So it'll be interesting to see how it works. But just want to say uh, it's good luck, Tua, and wish him the best. Bob, what's your final thought? So my final thought is good luck to LSU, um, especially Coach O. It's great when the uh, – broadcasters forget to do the 10 second tape delay with him and you get his nice colorful words whatever <laughs> the, the guys are at um and uh basically i hope they do good because it's it's great to see what joe burrow's done and how they brought him in and how he's uh, how he's honored the, the fans with his, with his name of, of his jersey spelled in that la- uh, louisiana creole uh, language but also um Probably next time I'll be on here will be when LSU is going for like their fifth championship. So uh, that's how long it'll be Whoa, for the next one. So, okay. But anyway, okay. So, listen. But anyway, right. so good luck to LSU, and I hope they uh, they win the championship, and I'll be looking for that. Then. Goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, my final thought goes out to the Tennessee Titans playing up against the Baltimore Ravens, number one team in the AFC. It's going to be a tough battle. I can already tell you it's going to be a tough battle. I hear that there is a chance of rain that evening. Chance of showers, 40% chance as of right now. But listen, I, I think that we carry the ball, pound the ball the entire game. Um, I, I think that we just need to shut down their tight ends. I think that's a big strength of Lamar Jackson. Shut down the tight ends, shut down the play-action pass. Um, just contain Lamar Jackson as much as you can. I know you can't do it fully, but guess what? You have to do it somewhat. And I think as long as you can pressure him as long as you can stay on top of him I think Dean Pease will have a great attack on Lamar Jackson because he is a young quarterback he hasn't seen much adversity this season either um they've played up against some good teams but not as good as the Titans I think this is going to be a the toughest test for the Ravens and whoever wins this game I think will eventually go to the AFC championship game and win the AFC championship I really do I think that um, the Chiefs are a great team. I think the Chiefs are probably going to take care of business against Houston. They should anyway. And if that's the case, um, I, I just don't see the Titans or the Ravens losing against the Chiefs. I, I, I seriously think whoever wins this game this weekend will go to the Super Bowl. So uh, good luck to the Titans. Again, I think that there are some things that need to happen. A.J. Brown needs to have a big game. Corey Davis needs to have a big game. Um Anthony Ferkser, I think there are players that need to step up in this game, um, offensively especially, because we're going to have to match them blow by blow because it's going to be an offensive game. Um, but as long as we can put more points on the board, I mean, that's all. At the end of the day, that's all it is. So we just need to limit their chances, capitalize on their mistakes, and negate the mistakes that we normally would make. And I think we'll have a pretty good chance against the Ravens. 
So anyway, thanks for listening to the show this week, guys. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio. You can also follow us on Twitter, OOB Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, Dylan underscore James. Also Instagram, Dylan James underscore FL, as in Florida. JT, what are your social media handles, sir? You guys can follow me on Twitter. Twitter, I'm at JTSocket88. That's at JTSOCKA88. You can follow me on Instagram at JTSockaSports. And you can email me. It's JT at OutOfBoundsPodcast.com. Uncle Bobby, should I even ask? Uh, due to all the hacking been happening lately, oh again, uh, if you need to get a hold of me, just go to these two guys because <laughs> I don't want to be hacked anymore. That's Thank fine. You. Just, just send Bob Peters a letter. What yeah, we'll do, what we'll do is we, we'll set up Bobby an email address through our website. So we'll, we'll set that up, UncleBobby at OutOfBoundsPodcast.com. So uh, don't email go. it yet. Email it in about a week. We'll let you know on the next podcast when it's ready. Um, so yeah, and make sure you subscribe to us as well. Share with your friends. Subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Um, thank you so much for listening again. I, I, it's going to be a great year. 2020 is going to be a great year for this podcast. We're going to come back and we're going to come back with a vengeance this time. And we're going to record this show more frequently than we did last year. I promise. It's just uh, been a crazy whirlwind of a year last year, especially with JT having two. He's, he's trying to get two degrees right now. He has two jobs right now. I'm going for my master's degree. I have... Uh, DVC as a full-time role. It's just been crazy this year. And I'll be retiring under seven years, so we'll see. Well, and Bobby will be on the show several times, too. So get used to his voice because he'll be back on the show very soon. Don't worry, guys. Unlike we don't know about Tom Brady, but Uncle Bobby, he'll definitely be coming back. He will be coming back. Yes, he'll be coming back, back more often. So thanks for listening once again, guys, and we will talk to you next time. Yeah.